Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, I'd like to talk about uh, potentially how you can invest well and also save the planet at the same time. Now, I say that with a bit of tongue-in-cheek, really. Uh, What I'm really referring to is sustainable investing. And with the recent bushfires in New South Wales and Queensland, I guess it's reinvigorated the conversation about global warming and whether the Australian government's doing enough to combat it. Uh, And that's certainly dominated the news over the last uh, few weeks. And, of course, I'll refrain from sharing my views on it, um, partly or mostly because you probably don't really care what I think. Um, But I thought it was uh, timely to sort of talk about sustainable investing. And, you know, if you are concerned about the environment, uh, in a way, it's a a way of putting your money where your mouth is. And, uh, you know, I guess we all look at the environment and think, well, what can one person do? Um, Well, maybe this is one of the things uh, that we can do to kind of reward companies that are uh, treating the planet better than than other companies that aren't. Uh, sustainable investing grew uh, by about 35% uh, between uh, 2016 and 2018. In fact, the growth rates are pretty considerable uh, since then as well. And it now accounts for over $70 trillion worth of assets globally. Uh, so what is sustainable investing? Well, really, it means investing in companies that are combating climate change, that are socially responsible, uh, and that have good governance practices. And in simple terms, it's investing in businesses that are doing the right thing, uh, and probably more importantly, not investing in businesses that are doing the wrong thing. Uh, And hopefully the flow of capital will encourage, you know, that is the flow of investment capital towards good companies away from bad ones, will encourage the bad ones also uh, to, to become more sustainable in their practices. Now, sustainable investing is often referred to as ESG investing. It's an acronym. Uh, and the E stands for environmental, the S stands for social, and the G stands for governance. So let's talk about each of those three criteria in order. Uh, so environmental mainly relates to climate change. So that's greenhouse gas emissions, uh, uh, CO2, uh, but also includes uh, uh, resource depletion, waste disposal, uh, pollution and deforestation. Uh, in terms of social, that relates to matters such as human rights, slavery, child labour, working conditions, employee relations and so forth. So really it includes avoiding companies that are in um, certain industries such as tobacco, adult entertainment, weapons, gambling and so on. So that's the social element. And then the government governance, I should say, uh, relates to matters such as bribery, corruption, executive pay, board diversity, structure, political lobbying donations and uh, tax strategy So they're all sort of governance issues. Now, there's an organisation called Principle for Responsible Investment, uh, and it was established under the umbrella of the United Nations to help its signatories, which are uh, mainly investment managers, super funds and so forth, to better understand, but more importantly, effectively implement strategies uh, for sustainable 
uh, investing. So they're the ones that sort of work out what is sustainable investing, what are the principles and, and criteria. Uh, and uh, so if you're looking at implementing or, or investing sustainably, you'd want uh, the fund manager to be a signatory of principles of uh, responsible investment or PRI. Uh, so what impact uh, can you have on the environment by um, uh, sustainable investing? Well, it can have a pretty significant impact in terms of the the types of companies that you're rewarding and the types of companies that you're punishing by uh, directing your flow of cash flow. Uh, so, uh, for example, if you look at carbon dioxide, which is really the um, the probably makes up eighty percent of the allocation in from an environmental uh, perspective, and, and there's two types of emissions to consider. Two types of CO two emissions to consider. The first one is actual emission emissions, and the second one is potential emissions. And potential emissions really relate to uh, mining companies, and it's really about the reserve of raw materials that they've identified uh, that they're yet to sort of pull out of the ground. Um, but if you're dealing with a mining company that has significant uh, coal reserves, for example, then their future CO2 emissions, uh, so potential emissions, will be uh, pretty significant. So if we compare a ESG portfolio versus a non-ESG portfolio, so your sort of standard portfolio, and look at the CO2 emissions, the aggregate CO2 emissions from each of those portfolios, well, the um, ESG portfolio is 70% lower at a global level and 60% just looking at Australian-based investments at less emissions. So essentially what you're doing is really cutting out those high emitters and you, no flow of capital is moving uh, to them. And uh, so that's for actual emission omissions. Uh, for potential emissions, uh, the reduction is 99% because pretty much most miners are uh, are eliminated from uh, from the portfolio, uh, so you can have a pretty significant impact on, uh, I guess, m- most importantly, punishing the companies that are really um, providing the most uh, carbon dioxide pollution. Uh, a common concern is, you know, does that by uh, having an ESG overlay and filtering out the uh, the the companies that don't meet that criteria does that have an impact on diversification risk profile? Uh, and it's a common uh, question uh, that I get asked when it, when we're talking about sustainable investing. Um, and the answer is no. You know, it, the short answer is, and I've included a table in the show notes and the blog on the website. But if you have a look at the weightings, the sector weightings of an ESG portfolio and non ESG portfolio. Um, they are different, but not materially different. In fact, they're surprisingly similar. So even though you're um, filtering out a whole lot of companies, you know, you've still got good sectoral diversification. Uh, in terms of actual diversification, well, what I did is I compared a portfolio by a fund manager called Dimensional, uh, which is a rules-based fund manager, uh, rules-based, value-based uh, fund manager that we use, uh, and its standard global, standard global fund invests in uh, just over 6,000 different companies, so very well diversified, massive holding. Their ESG fund invests in about 1,500 companies, so substantially fewer than the standard product, but still arguably very well diversified. 1,500 companies uh, is 
is pretty significant amount of diversification. And in terms of concentration risk, which is which can be a problem when you start filtering out companies, you know, how much do you have in any one particular company? Well, there's not a massive difference there. So in the non-ESG standard fund, the top 10 companies make up 9% of the total uh, portfolio. In an ESG fund, uh, the top 10 made up 15% of the total fund. So again, it's not too bad. You would expect to see that in any case, unless you're going sort of equal weighting uh, type of indexing. Uh, you would expect to see quite a bit of concentration because you know the, the larger companies out there, Apple tends to be at the top uh, here, for example. Uh, you know they're pretty significant businesses, trillion dollar businesses. So they're naturally going to make up a, a pretty significant proportion of the weighting. Uh, so uh, taking a sustainable investing approach doesn't change um, diversification or risk profile, in my opinion. What about returns? Uh, well, sustainable investing products typically don't have a long track record of returns because it's it's kind of a, a newish way of investing. Um, again, leaning on Dimensional, a fund manager that we use, uh, probably has one of the older products in Australia. It started in 2016. So in the three years ending October 2019, its return for the sustainable fund uh, was about 12.5% which compares favourable, favourably, I should say, over the same period of time, uh, the standard fund has done about 10.5% uh, over that time, over that three-year period. So um, uh, sustainable products have actually outperformed in the shorter term uh, by around about 2% uh, per annum over a three-year period. Um, I had a look at Australia's largest industry fund uh, being Australian Super. It's had a, what it calls a socially aware um, uh, option, uh, which is really their sustainable options. It's returned 9.67% over the last 10 years uh, compared to its standard balance option, which was 976 uh, So really we're talking about um, uh, 0.09 of a percent over a 10-year period of time. Now, unfortunately, Aussie Super and lots of these industry funds don't really publish a lot of information around the diversification and concentration of their portfolios, uh, nor do they talk too much about their approach. So it lacks a lot of transparency in terms of what underlying assets are involved, um, which concerns me a little bit. I'd like greater transparency, particularly in the industry fund sector. They don't want transparency because that creates accountability. But anyway, that's a separate, a separate matter, a separate issue. Um, but essentially, uh, my view is that it's reasonable to expect um, materially similar returns by taking a sustainable investing approach compared to a, a standard approach. That is, that you can um, potentially invest in a way uh, that, that is uh, going to arguably help the environment, uh, at least uh, provide the flow of capital towards companies that are doing the right thing. And it's not necessarily going to cost you, or at least I think the, the reasonable assumption is that it's not going to cost you very much in terms of investment returns, if at all. And in fact, arguably, maybe given the theme of sustainable investing and the flow of capital, maybe in fact it will, um, uh, it pr will in the long run provide better returns like it has done in, in the shorter term. Uh, so how can you adopt sustainable investing? Well, firstly, I'd say 
like with most things in life, it doesn't have to be an all or nothing decision. What you could do, for example, is start gradually tilting your investment portfolio, including your superannuation, towards more sustainable investments where it's appropriate. Now, of course, you could throw everything out and go 100% sustainable uh, tomorrow, and and that's not necessarily a, a terrible idea as long as you're not sort of changing your asset allocation and you're still employing the right investment methodologies. But really, if you need help with that, the best thing to do is speak to an independent financial advisor or your super fund, and or your super fund probably, uh, to find out more how you're able to sort of do that. But of course, uh, you know, if you want uh, our assistance, uh, we can certainly combine our low-cost evidence-based investment strategies, which is really indexed, broad-based, very diversified, uh, and then overlay an ESG element to that as well, uh, so that not only you're, you've got the, the smart, astute strategies in terms of how your money is invested, uh, but they're still also going to reflect your personal values uh, as well um, if you're aligned to the ESG movement. Uh, so there you go. That's sustainable investing, something we all can do, I guess, um, to add our little uh, waiting to, to help uh, uh, or, or reward companies that are doing the right thing in respect to the environment. Okay, that's it for me uh, this week. Until next week, bye for now.